Welcome to the One Life Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to lead people to follow Jesus in everyday life, and we hope that God uses this message to influence and encourage others to join us on that mission. We're glad you're listening. For more, please visit us online at onelifecc.org. We are in a series called We Don't Talk About. And so we, we pray, prayfully thought about this series for a lot of reasons. One, um, as humans, there's a lot of things that we don't like to talk about because they're uncomfortable. Um, there's a lot of things inside of the church that maybe you go and talk with your friends, but in here, we don't really get deep and sometimes uncomfortable talking about some of these tough topics. Last week, Ronnie kicked this series off and we talked about gender issues. Um, next week, we will pause this series and we will celebrate the risen King Jesus at Easter. Um, but this week, um, it's going to be weird. We're going to get a little uncomfortable. It's your first Sunday here. Welcome. Ronnie, our lead pastor, is not here today. He gave me a wild topic and then didn't show up. So we'll see um, over the next few minutes um, what happens, what I believe the Lord. I've, I've spent a lot of time praying through this series, but what we're going to talk about this morning is I think a, a silent killer, I think it's something that we never talk about. I think it's something that's incredibly uncomfortable and challenging. Um, we're going to talk about pornography today. You've got 30 minutes of it, so buckle in. Uh, th- this is a huge part of my story in my life. It's something that I really struggle with in, in high school, early college. Um, and a few years ago, a friend of mine asked me if I would come speak. I'm at an FCA uh, for junior high kids. And so I was sharing my story, and I could see him looking at me kind of like shaking his head like, don't say it. And I was like, I'm going to say it. And I just told him, I was like, this is something I've really struggled with. I was uh, pretty addicted to pornography for a lot of my life. And um, the whole room uh, just busted out laughing at me. Um, the junior high kids, they, they have no clue. To them, it's like, why are you addicted to something like that? That's, that's awesome. Like, why? This isn't an issue. Like, that's not a problem. And it was the first time in my reality that I was like, oh, this maybe is not something that's talked about enough. Maybe this is something that is not seen as as much of an issue as it is. And um, here, here's, a, here's a few stats for you. Um, one in five mobile searches are for pornography. One in five of all searches are for pornography. 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. And teens and young adults 13 to 24 believe not recycling is worse than viewing pornography. It's a, it's a real issue that I think a lot of people don't understand the depth and the weight of. We, we know based on some data, this is not just a male issue. We know that it's a female issue as well. It affects everybody in a lot of ways. Now, we're not going to spend 30 minutes today me trying to convince you this is bad. I think we can do that fairly quickly and see how it separates us from God, why it's not beneficial for relationships, why it's not good for us. I think we can do that quick. But what we are going to look at today is how it affects us and and maybe how we can change that rhythm in our life. Um, I'm very confident I've been privileged to preach here for 10 years. I'm very confident this will not be my best sermon. This will not be my most shared sermon. This will not be my most talked about sermon. But my fear this week in praying was that I pray this is not my most light about sermon. When will we just go get in the car, we go home, and we act like this doesn't affect our life at all. And so I'm gonna pray um, that maybe it'll be a little less weird. We're, we're adults in here, most of us. 
And so it's okay to get uncomfortable. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. But at the end of the day, we want to look at our own identity and say, what is God saying to us? And what are we going to do about it? So before I make any more weird jokes, let's pray. Let's ask that God would speak. God, thank you. God, thanks for this time and place. God, God, I thank you for, for giving us a place to meet and people to meet with. I just ask that this morning you would slow us down. God, you would just remove the distractions of the rest of the day, of the rest of the week, of everything that we brought into this morning. God, you would just slow us down to hear your words, not mine. That as we open up your scripture, that we would hear from you, um, we would know you more. God, I just ask that your spirit of peace and hope um, fall in this room, that you remove any, any bondage, any slavery to sin, and that we begin to grow closer to you. We thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one thing just to get out the gate and be very clear on. Sex is awesome. Sex is good. We were created to be in a relationship, a committed relationship in which sex is meant for creation, procreation, and for fun. Sex is good. Sometimes in the church, we don't talk about it enough. It becomes a a weird topic that we shy away from. But when we stray outside of what the Lord intended to be and we start to to watch it, to, to view it, it can become something damaging and, and scary. Luke eleven thirty four says, your eye is a lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. What we see will affect us and change us. And what we're going to look at this morning is three points in which I believe that when you're actively viewing pornography, that it will affect you. Um, and the first one this morning is uh, pornography destroys intimacy. It destroys intimacy. It's something so simple that just starts as like, hey, I just want to look up something and maybe you're younger, you're a kid and you just like, I just want to look at this and then it starts this process and lifestyle. This is something that we've had an issue with throughout all of time. There's a, a first century Roman city named Pompeii and it was destroyed by a volcano. And when they went back in, they found this two-story brothel. And in this brothel, there's these paintings on the wall of just sexual acts. There was porn all over the building. It's something that we've struggled with as humans from the very beginning, and it's just evolved and changed throughout time. When I was a kid, like young, if you wanted to see this, you had to find like your parents' magazines. It wasn't easy. And maybe somebody had it. When I was in junior high, when I was in sixth grade, there was a VHS tape that went around our school that was a kid's movie. And about six minutes into the movie, somebody had recorded a full porn on it. And it just was passed around the school. It was the first time I was ever introduced to it. And that median has just changed throughout time. It's just gotten easier. When I was a kid, we had one computer with dial-up internet, so it was hard to get to the internet. I had to plan my sin and mistake. I'd be like, I'm going to try to do this. And if I was going to try to print something off, that took like eight minutes And so I'd be like, man, if my parents walk in right now while I'm printing off an image in their bedroom on the only computer in our home, my life's going to be over. It's hard. The media has changed. Now, fast forward, on your phone, one in five mobile searches, you have access to it all the time. One of the studies I was reading this week, they said that a guy today, a male today, could look online today at more naked women, could see more naked women today than 100 years ago, a man would see women in his lifetime. The access, it's crazy, it's rampant, 
It's quick, and it, it just starts a lot of times with, I, I just want to see this thing, and then it becomes a part of your life. And the, the pit continues to open up more and more and more. One, one psychologist said this, pornography satisfies every one of the prerequisites for neuroplastic change. A neuroplastic is the ability for the brain to change based on an experience. So pornography satisfies every one of the prerequisites for neuroplastic change. When pornographers boast that they are pushing the envelope by introducing new and harder themes, what they don't say is that they must because their customers are building up a tolerance to the content. Analytics from a popular porn site reveal that conventional sex is decreasingly interesting to users and is being replaced with themes like incest and violence. It's something that starts so simple and quickly gets out of control. Pornography is an endless pit of of broken promises and unmet desires. It's something that you may not realize, you just open the door and the next thing you know, it's a lifestyle choice. It's something that is not shared. Sex is fun and recreational and meant in the confines of a marriage to be growing and beautiful. It's a conversation. How do we take care of each other? How do we love each other more in this? What does it look like? It's hard and challenging. And when you view pornography, you take that element out and you say, this is about me. I'm going to be selfish. This is not going to be about growing in a relationship. It become challenging quickly. It's a, it's a lot easier to watch porn than it is to be married or date because to, to marry or date, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be authentic. I, I send this verse to my wife Katie from time to time. It says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. That's just like a pickup line. <laughs> I think in the church, and we're going to talk about sex in a few weeks, I think that we're very weird about it. And I think society has made this perverted form of it. This is in the confines of a committed marriage. It is important. It's an important thing. It's a gift. And what we've done is we've twisted it. And we've said, just, just take it whenever you want. Use it whenever you want. Do it with whoever you want. Watch it whenever you want. And this good thing will quickly begin to remove the intimacy and the depths of a relationship. It becomes dangerous quick. When it's hidden and it's alone, it separates us. Sex, pornography destroys intimacy. The second point is pornography stops transparency. It puts us on an island, it isolates us. It, it puts you alone. Like if anybody ever found out about this, this would be tough. This wouldn't work out well for me. It would be hard. We don't, we don't have a lot of good data except for from sites because people don't talk about it, especially in the church. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. Why am I going to tell somebody? I don't even know if I want to stop. What does it look like? How do we change and evolve it? it? It'll put you on an island by yourself. And if we know anything about Satan... Is that his desire for you is to be isolated, to be alone, to believe that what you're doing can't be fixed, that you're broken, you're unreachable, you're unsavable, you're alone, nobody else struggles with this, all these things that are completely not true. I, I've uh, recently taken a long break from social media, potentially permanent. Um, in my job, my full-time 40-hour-a-week job is in digital marketing. 
So I've had to create all these safeguards. So I, I just don't want to see stuff online because I've just noticed that, especially like Facebook and Instagram, you start seeing all of this stuff from people and then I, I'm, I'm now anxious. I'm like, I got to keep up with this. Part. It's just, it's too much for me. It wasn't good for my home life. And so I've stepped away. And there's two things I've noticed by stepping away from social media. Most of my conversations with people, people assume I already know if it's been posted online. Like, you do you not know what's going on? I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Like, why well, invited you to the party? I sit you on Facebook. I'm like, didn't see it. We'll never see it. But the second one that I've really recently noticed that, that kind of has given me some anxiety is that most of the time when someone's sharing a story with me, at the end I'll be like, so you, that happened to you? And they're like, no, 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 I heard about it. I'm like, well, how'd you hear about it? Like, well, it was on Facebook. It was on Instagram. They posted, someone posted about it. And so a lot of the conversations that we may be having are conversations that maybe we never even experienced. Our reality to people is getting further and further and further apart. We're just talking about what we've heard, not what we have done, what we've experienced. Satan desires to isolate you. You're unfixable, you're broken, only you have this issue. And it's, it's not true. It's a lie. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The righteous prayer the righteous person is powerful and effective. And Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Again, just mid-sermon, if we're going to blame anybody for this, it's Ronnie. Ronnie picked this topic the week before Easter. He won't listen this far in the sermon. However, if there's a topic that I've been passionate about, people getting a grasp of. It's been this for a long time. I've just watched the destruction of people's lives and the, the passiveness of it. It's important. It's scary. It's challenging. And I think it's important to realize that if we even just today begin to take one step, and just through praying this week of like, what's one step if somebody in here is, is struggling with this? How, how do you get out of pornography? What's the first step? Well, I think the first step and what we can do this morning is I think it's important to tell somebody, to, talk, to have somebody you can talk to. Best case scenario, you have somebody in your life that you trust enough that you can tell. But if you do not, I want to give you a couple avenues today. If, if you're a man, you can email me, logan at onelifecc.org. You can email me. We can start a dialogue. Maybe you're uncomfortable talking on the phone. We can text. We can email. Whatever you want. Like just, if you just need to, I just need to tell somebody I struggle with this. Just have an avenue. Logan at onelifecc.org. If, if you're a female, you can email emily at onelifecc.org. This is important, just to, to take a step. And I know for a lot of people, it's going to be uncomfortable. But I gave a third option. Maybe you're like, I need to tell somebody, but I don't want people to know who I am. If you go to onelifecc.org slash freedom, on that page, there's just a form. And there's no part of the form is required. So if you just want to put a message in there and no name and email, you can do it. And I, I commit over the next three to four weeks that I will pray for you to get out of this bondage and this sin. It's, it's challenging, it's difficult, it's hard, but I promise you that, that step of confession will open up so many doors in your life. There, there's a psychologist I listen to named Jordan Peterson, and he from time to time will, will break things down very well. And, and they asked him, like, hey, out of all the things that you have said, what do you think is the most important principle or rule in life that would make someone's life better. And he said, don't lie. 
He said, I'm not saying don't tell the truth. That might be too tall of a task for most people. But stop lying and it'll radically change your life forever. And the guy said, well, how, how have I stopped lying? What changed my life? And he said this quote that I thought was fascinating. He said, how can you adapt to reality when you falsify it? You think you're just lying to other people. No, you're not. You can't just lie to other people because what you say becomes you. What you say becomes you. Now, we know our identity and who we are is in the person and the work of Jesus. But when we start to operate out of that, we start to operate in an identity that we think we are. I am this. And we start to lie. It starts to make our reality a lot more blurry. Pornography will destroy intimacy. Pornography stops transparency. And the last one is pornography questions identity. It'll trick you into believing that you are something that you are not. You are not disgusting. You are not broken. You are not too far from the Lord. But you become isolated and then you just feel guilt and shame and like, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how you talk to somebody about it. And you get caught in this bondage and this sin and this doom loop. It becomes challenging. It's difficult. I've spent a lot of my life just looking at these different people in the Bible and being so impressed by some and then over time shocked. Like, oh, that, they are a lot like me. I didn't realize. This, this guy, David, in the Bible. Like, David that came and slayed Goliath, David. Like, David, a man after God's own heart, David. The anointed one, David. This great king of Israel, David. This powerful man that I've always heard about. There's a story where David sees a woman. He's like, I, I want her. And they go get her. And they bring her up to David's room. And they have sex. They find out later that she's pregnant. David panics. And he does the right thing. He doesn't. He goes. He calls for her husband who's at war. Brings him home talks with him, says, hey, you should go spend the night with your wife. He wants him to go sleep with her so that he'd be off the hook. He doesn't go. He's an honorable man. He goes and sleeps with the other soldiers. David panics. He's like, oh, no. He brings him back. He gets him drunk, tries to do it again, doesn't work again. So David takes him and sends him to the front lines of the war and has him killed and then takes her as his wife. David. This, this sin and the structure can affect any of us and all of us. It's challenging, it's difficult, it's hard. And this man, David, is not defined by that moment. But it's an issue. It, it changed his life. It looks different. You, you are not defined by what you watch or, or what you think about yourself. This Friday, we celebrate one of the wildest days. We celebrate this Jesus who came to live, to pursue us, to be murdered on Friday, only for three days later to defeat, to embarrass death, to rise again so that in that period of time, so that the sin that you are currently in, the sin that you've been in, the sin that you will commit was paid for. You were not able to earn it or to fix it. And this, these things in our life happen. I think a lot of times in the church, there's sin, right? There's sin. Anything that separates us from the Lord, anything that takes us out of the Lord's presence is sinful. And I believe pornography at its very core and every bit of it is sinful. 
But you were not defined as the broken sinner. You were defined as a son and a daughter of the Most High because of what Jesus did on Friday and then resurrected on Sunday. That's the freedom. That's the hope. And if you get caught in this mindset of this is who I am, I'm stuck. If people know this about me, it's not fun to get up here and tell people. My family listens. People, my kids will listen to this one day that I've struggled with this my whole life. It's been a a battle. It's not fun, but I believe in the transparency side so that I need to confess sins to the Lord We begin to change these areas of my life. I believe that a disciple is somebody who is increasingly surrendering every area of their life to the power and the lordship of Jesus. There's areas of your life now that you cannot surrender, that you struggle with, but if you keep those to yourself, you will never surrender them and you will never operate in complete freedom. It's a, it's a rare rare opportunity. Romans, Romans 5, 8 through 10 says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled by God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies. You you did not get to a point in your life that you were good enough to be saved. You aren't going to get rid of the things in your life to say, oh, this person is now qualified. They have met the qualifications for grace and peace. It's been given as a complete gift. I think we struggle a lot of times with grace and mercy and understanding what that means and what God has done to us because we struggle to give grace and mercy. I will forgive them if once they do this, then we can fix it. And that makes sense in our brain with people and our lives, but we struggle to realize that God did not do that. If there was an if or a but, we don't make it. I've, I've never been less excited and more anxious about standing up in front of people for 30 minutes to talk about something that people don't want to talk about. Again, Ronnie picked this one. And I think it was a great pick. And I think there's a lot of people in here that have wrestled and have struggled with this their whole life. And I, and I want you to know a couple of things. One, that does not define you. It's not who you are. That these desires were placed in us. Like the desire to, to be with a spouse, to have sex is, is a good desire. It's not a bad desire and it should not be treated as one. But when that desire changes and turns into towards other people, towards the internet, it can become a dangerous and slippery slope quick that'll radically change how you follow Jesus in everyday life. I think there's a lot of people in here or that will listen to this later that struggle with this. If you're younger and you have not gotten this, I, I plead with you. It's the best decision you could ever make just to stay away from it. This is typically an issue that struggle with by men. We know that women struggle with it, but I want to encourage both sides just real quick. If you do struggle with this, please find somebody that you can just talk to. It's okay even if you're at a place you're like, I don't know that I believe this is fully bad yet. I, I just encourage you to begin the dialogue. If you don't think it's bad, then you should have no problem talking about it. But to, to share with somebody. And if you're a spouse or you're with somebody who struggles with this, I want to encourage you that this, necessarily, this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. It's hard to explain. I've been in a lot of counseling sessions with people, and it's hard to explain. This is not a personal issue. This is something that I struggle with. 
And it's hard inside of the confines of a marriage to find out your spouse is wrestling with it, but it's gonna take grace and authenticity for this to change. It's gonna take a willingness to, to receive hard information and to give it. As the church, this is one of the things I think that's taken down a lot of pastors, it's taken down a lot of leaders, it's taken down a lot of families, it's taken down a lot of friends because it's something that we just keep to ourselves and we hide. It's a challenge, it's difficult. And the church has done a bad job at times of sex is good. Pornography is sinful. You're committed into a relationship. We're going to, fans in the corner, we're going to pray. Unless you guys want 20 more minutes on porn. I, I know this is uncomfortable. It's weird. If you're younger, you're like, I don't know why I picked to come to One Life. But I, I believe, and Ryan and I talked about this for a long time, I believe wholeheartedly this is who we are. We don't want to talk about a lot of these things because they're difficult and they're challenging and they're weird. But at the end of the day, our mission is to lead people to follow Jesus into everyday life. This is everyday life. This is real and it's challenging and it's hard. But my prayer this week out of everything else was the person who's sitting here today who's like sweating, who's anxious, is like, please don't know it's me. Just know you're okay. This is a, a, a sin that was paid for. And as much as I was a little frustrated at Ronnie that he did this the week before Easter, I'm grateful because there's nothing else we should talk about more than brokenness and sin, knowing that coming Friday, we're going to begin the process of freedom. On Sunday, we're going to come here and we're going to celebrate the only person ever to come and defeat sin and death only so that you and I could operate in complete freedom and hope. The difference in what we believe and what everybody else believes is Jesus Jesus radically changed our lives because of his sacrifice and the personal work. So you are not defined by anything other than that. And if you struggle with this, I'll be around afterward. Please email me. We can, we can talk. We can, we can figure out what this looks like in your life. But you are not defined by that. You're defined as a son and daughter of the Most High. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for giving us the ability to talk about things we don't want to, for, for giving us um, a, a space in a country where we can be free to speak as we want. God, and I, I thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit of conviction and hope is here. I thank you that, that you have placed, placed your Holy Spirit here to, to bring peace and healing, God, for, for the people in this room that, that struggle struggle with any form of, of sin or bondage, I just ask that, that your spirit would begin to change that process now, God, that your, your spirit would begin to, to fall and give people hope, people joy. God, there's a, a lot of distractions and isolation in life, and, and the more we progress, I, I pray that we don't get further from people, that we fall more in love with you, and, and then people around us also fall more in love with you. God, God I just ask for those in the room that are anxious right now, God, that you remind them that there is freedom. And God, as we go about this week, I pray that we, we don't let a day go by, that we don't remember what happens on Friday. That we, that we don't forget the fact that, that you came and died and ultimately beat sin and death so that we could be free. God, we love you. Cross in Jesus' name, amen.